going on, everybody? Happy Friday. Hopefully you're listening to this here on Friday, recording Thursday evening. Um, wanted to do this now. Had a couple things, again, behind the scenes working. And I thought it would be a good launching point for the bi-weekly series of the podcast. I, I want to start doing this twice per week to kind of tailor this more towards the, the season that we're entering into with the NFL. It's going to be uh, rumor season. Uh, it's going to be trade season, draft season, before you know it, as we wrap up the NFL season for 2021. So welcome into the Friday edition. I, I want to see if this is what works. I think this is a good time to review or preview depending upon the year. Um, and for our purposes here today, we'll be previewing the divisional round. I'll hit on the review of what we saw in Super Wildcard Weekend. Really not a great slate of games overall. There was, you know, one good one in San Francisco and Dallas, which the Cowboys, of course, uh, always entertaining in the wrong ways. We'll, we'll touch on that briefly. But this is uh, a kind of a new look, a new, uh, a new uh, time period that we're coming at you. So hope you like it. Let's get to it. Edition 71 of the podcast. I know the one thing that really stuck out to me with the super wild card weekend in regards to the first game is that the Cincinnati Bengals have a lot, a lot of confidence. And I start with them because they're the first game, but it's really also because as it relates to the divisional round against the Titans, this is a clash. I hate to say it, but clash of the Titans uh, in the AFC right now, bills, chiefs, obviously great. Um, two foes that um, squared off in the, in the championship round last year, but I'm more inclined or more excited for this side of the divisional matchup because I think the Titans are a damn good football team. Over the course of 17 games, they beat good teams. They've won in different ways. They've won with different people. Now they're all coming together healthy for a home game after a week off and well-rested. Really like what's going there. But this is where we'll find out how much momentum and confidence actually matters. Momentum matters in football games. It matters when we're talking about how a team is playing. And Cincinnati is very confident. Like, typically there's someone every year. This is pretty new level as far as just the swagger that they're walking in with to Nashville. It's something I haven't seen in a long time. Joe Burrow has just provided this, like, uh, endless hope of what is you know possible. And, and they don't have a good roster. It's the worst roster left in the playoffs. If I was a betting man right now, I'm willing to go Cincinnati. The thing that's keeping me from going there to this point in time, again, I'll put out Pete's picks um, once we're at that point on Saturday, is that I do think Mike Rabel, good head coach, should be coach of the year. I think he's going to say, no way, no how, Jamar Chase not beating us. If the Bengals win, they're going to have to go to these secondary options that we think ha- we have covered. But I can tell you for one thing, Jamar Chase is not going to beat us. It'll be interesting to see. I think the Tennessee secondary wasn't good on paper at the beginning of the year in the preseason. I didn't like it. Pretty damn good. Got Byron in the back end. Got Jack Rabbit on the outside. Can still make plays and take the ball away. And Burrow, as great as he is passing and as great as he's been recently, I could totally see him you know, coughing up an interception if he gives the bait. Um, to 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 Jack Rabbit, but Buffalo they just beat down New England. New England's just too slow. Belichick, it's not like he's lost his fastball. It's not that he needs Brady. I hate 
even entertaining that conversation. But they, they just got to get better on defense. Too slow. High towers wash. Um, Jamie Collins looks wash. McCourty, he's still playing good. But, you know, he is limited physically. He can still make plenty of plays. But they just got to get younger on that side of the ball. And with Philly, just wasn't good enough to be there. Ultimately, it's like you're a seventh seed. Like, that's a product of Super Wildcard Weekend. You know, a seventh seed, it's going to be probably like the eighth seed in the NBA. It's just, there's not even a point. Like, you know, there's no reason to be playing these games or adding these seeds. I will say, on the final weekend of the regular season, it makes it interesting. But, you know, ultimately, it's like you're, you're going to get smashed if you have to face teams like like Tampa Bay. So, that's what happened over Super Wildcard Weekend. And then the Cowboys, they're just poorly coached. Penalties are a direct reflection of coaching. You had 14 in a playoff game. You led the league the entire year. Mike McCarthy, like, I'm not ready to fire the guy. I know some folks want to do that. I'm not ready to fire him because I don't see better options out there. I don't. That's the one thing that people never consider. Never consider is that when you fire a coach, yeah, there's got to be a replacement. And you know what you're constrained to? What's available? So you can't just fire guys willy-nilly. Mike McCarthy, he's going to be the head coach, and he should be the head coach. But, yeah, he's made some awful, regrettable decisions. He's got to redo how he practices, how he coaches guys in meetings, in the film sessions, promptness practice. Like, he's got to rethink all that. Because right now, discipline, absolute all-time low. And then with KC, Pittsburgh, I mean, you knew that was going to happen. Pittsburgh, they you just don't have the, the athletes to keep pace with Kansas City and Ben. You know, great to see him one last time, but, you know, that that is the last time, and it sure looked like the last time physically. You know, I was watching it with Miss Taylor. She even pointed out he, he can't even throw the ball. Like, it, it looks like, you know, a backyard football player uh, in an NFL uniform. And I was like, you know, that's, that's not too far off. So, Big Ben, hell of a career. Casey gets an easy one, and they advance to the second round where they face Buffalo. And let's get to that. We got the divisional round coming up next. So I won't touch on Cincy and Tennessee. I give that breakdown kind of in my review. Uh, Raiders, hell of a story. Thought they were definitely going to lose that game. Um, didn't have the defensive backs to, to hang with Burrow, and that's exactly what Burrow proved to us. So Cincinnati and Tennessee square off. That most exciting game, in my opinion. Um, and it's going to be first one on Saturday, so we'll get right down to business with them. Uh, but with Green Bay, San Francisco, I'm looking at my phone now, Warner, Bosa, both look like they're going to play. Jimmy's got two injuries, uh, the quarterback, shoulder. I mean, way to gut it out in the playoff game in, in Dallas. But, you know, under no circumstances should Green Bay lose this game. You're well-rested. You're healthy. Bakhtiari's going to be back. You're pl- uh, playing a hobbled San Francisco team. From the jump, you need to go in there and pretty much I, I would sling it around. Like, don't try and, you know, keep pace and, you know, bruise them and wear them down. Go ahead. They are gassed. They are hurting. Go ahead and drop back and let Rodgers work his magic. You know, the worst thing I think they can do is start handing the ball off to to Aaron Jones and handing the ball off to uh, uh, to Dylan, A.J. Dillon, and, and trying to just make this uh, a grudge match. Because you know what? San Francisco, they want that. They're a mentally tough football team. They're a physically tough football team. But one area that they're not going to be able to keep pace with is just speed. 
run them out of Lambeau, run them out of Wisconsin. You have Devontae Adams. I know MVS is trending toward playing and, and he's a little hobbled. Randall Cobb is going to be back though. Make it a track meet. Make them gassed. Physically, you know, toughness, like they, they would like it to be a running game, but don't, don't do that. I, I, I am all about taking the ball, scoring first and making a hobble Garoppolo play from a deficit and make Shanahan call plays where, you know, there's, there's some pressure there. So I, I think that's the best thing LaFleur and the pack can do at this point in time, you know, how they go about doing it. We will see, but with Green Bay, this should be an easy one. Now let's take it to Tampa Bay. This is big that this is in Florida. The Buccaneers, I think it's important for them this point in the season that they have as normal a routine as possible. They're still on the mend, and they had a pretty easy task with Philadelphia. They get another week at home. The Rams, when they play at SoFi, whether it's visiting crowd or home crowd, they feed off that energy in a positive way. So this is a big W as far as it being a home game for the Buccaneers. Brady, he gets a second chance at Raheem Morris, who somehow is getting head coaching looks. We'll get to that in a minute. I think he really cuts and dices that. I do. Not to the degree that he did with Philadelphia, but this is kind of looking to me like that 13-point game. 13-point margin of victory for the Buccaneers. That's a lot. But I think ultimately, down the stretch here, Brady's going to have the answers. He goes into the second half after maybe seeing something new from Morris. And down the stretch of the fourth quarter, they pull away. Really like the Buccaneers here. I like the Rams with what they're playing at as far as what they put out on tape with uh, against Arizona. But, you know, it's against Arizona. who They're, they're frauds. I think we realize that. Down the stretch, they stink because they're not tough. That's Cliff Kingsbury football. And that's something that Arizona's going to have to take a look at. I think Tampa Bay rolls in this one when it's all said and done by late in the fourth. With Casey and Buffalo, had I recorded this on on Monday, the, the usual time frame, I probably would have been, you know, head over heels for Josh Allen. But the fact that he's playing at such a high level, which we've seen him do, but he doesn't repeat it consecutively. Usually it's an excellent game here, okay game here, another okay game, then maybe a great game. It makes me think that back-to-back great games, especially against the Chiefs defense, that you know is pretty good. I, I, I understand it doesn't have the names, um, but they're not playing bad, and, and they played each other enough over the, the course of the last 18 months that you know strengths and weaknesses. You know, if, if they don't show up really tough on the offensive line and pounding the rock to make the defense really respect the run and, and get some things over the top, you know, I, I don't see Josh Allen having a big day. And I do see him potentially because Spagnola, that's his thing. He wants to bait you into making one big mistake and he's good at it. That's why he's been in the NFL for so long. I could see Spagnola doing it again, forcing one critical turnover in the third quarter that puts the Chiefs up by a touchdown. And then Buffalo really has to you know, panic from an offensive standpoint. And we've seen Brian Dayball panic. We've seen him do it. I, a guy who I think should be getting interviews, that is getting interviews for a head coach, but he panics a little bit during the game. And he asked Josh Allen to do quite a bit. And we know when you ask Josh Allen to do too much, 
those errant throws, those miscues, they're they're going to happen. I have come around on Josh Allen. I think he's excellent, but he is still prone to those mistakes. Now, the Kansas City Chiefs. Expect Tyreek Hill to be neutralized. Expect Travis Kelsey to be neutralized. This is where Jarek McKinnon, are you McKinnon me? They need to have him. He, he is a critical piece to this offense now. And Pringle, been playing better. Uh, the other wide receivers on the depth chart, they've been showing up and doing what they need to be doing in a minimal role. I think they can be okay, but the Chiefs have to be all right, maybe scoring, you know, 20, 24 to, to 28 points. This will be a game that I think is close on the scoreboard, but farther away when we sit down and watch it. Um, I'm not entirely sure which way I want to go yet. I'm leaning Kansas City by a 28 to uh, to 20 final score, but uh, that will likely be amended. Again, Pete's Picks on Twitter. Check me out, at Pete4C. Uh, we will be posting it there. Let's talk a little bit more about the head coaching vacancies. So I will probably never own an NFL team, but I have met one owner, Clark Hunt, stood next to him at the Chiefs uh, uh, training camp as he was shaking hands with uh, fans that were showing up to St. Joe at uh, at uh, the Missouri Western uh, campus to see training camp. Really cool experience. I'm sure many of the Chiefs fans that listen to this, you've probably been there. You're up close, get to see ownership, you get to see the executives, they're all right there. It's it's like spring training, but probably even a little bit better, easy access um, than a Major League Baseball uh, spring training. And, you know, Clark Hunt didn't ask my opinion, but I will say that NFL hiring is so laughable in the aspect that they really listen to the media. Guys like Ian Rapoport, who's pounding the table for Raheem Morris, who I mentioned earlier, uh, Field Yates, uh, talking about the Kellen Moores, the Byron Leftwiches of the world, um, even D'Amico Ryans, guys that, you know, they've been in the league for maybe four years, one franchise. Um, how do you expect them to be better candidates over like a Dean Pease or a Wink Martindale or um, e- even a, a Dan Quinn for a second go around, which I'm not even huge on Dan Quinn at this point in time. I think he's had some good players on his defense. I think he's done some good things this year, but he may not be quite ready for, for the second go around after just a one year sabbatical as a coordinator. The, these guys that are elected by the media, they, they are getting fed information from the agents of these head coaching candidates. Hey, really pump up Byron Leftwich's name, and I'll give you the scoop on what's going on with Tampa Bay, what was going on really with Antonio Brown. That That's a very enticing offer for Ian Rappaport or Field Yates or Adam Schefter. Now, Adam Schefter, he, he's top of the biz for a reason. He doesn't typically go, go for that fluff. But... There's so many of these names out there for interviews and are getting interviews that's just like, I know you're going to fail. And I know come 2025 or 2024, whenever it is, after you've gotten hired and fell on your face down in Miami or in Chicago or in Oakland or Vegas, like it's obvious. It's clear right now. You, you don't have any contacts like, D'Amico Ryans, you were playing as recently as, like, 2015. 
You've been in one organization. How do I expect you to, to fill out a staff? How do I expect you to know how to uh, respond to the chaos that you're walking into? There's a reason there's a vacancy. I It is a completely broken and, and failed system. I, I think you know these owners need to rethink exactly how they need to be involved in the process because a lot of them are absent. And that just doesn't work. An owner has to be involved. And you do have to understand executives, general manager, president of football ops, whatever it may be, they do have to be servants to the head coach because their vision, they're the ones that actually have the uh, the strings to be pulled on the field. And there's just not enough owners that put that into consideration. And it's why you have the same teams always looking for coaches, the Giants, uh, the Broncos, um, even the Dolphins, the Raiders. They're looking for coaches every three years, it seems like. The, the same old teams, the same old faces. And maybe they should think about changing their approach. The neat thing about a podcast is that if you get breaking news as it relates to what you're talking about, say the MLB lockout, you can just hit Control-Alt-Delete, and then it's gone. And then it never happened. I just got breaking news that the MLB and MLBPA, they're meeting Monday uh, for a counter offer from the PA from the proposal from last week. I was just saying on the previous recording not to be worried because now is when things start heating up. A deadline, that creates all momentum. If you're in sales and you have a deadline, you know... That's when everybody's going to play their best hand or their most desperate hand. I know in Asia, the, I think it's the Japanese or one of the Asian uh, cultures, when it comes to business, they don't even start talking shop with an international client until two hours before their flight or maybe one hour before their flight or whatever it is, before they have to go to the airport, before that you know takes place. Because they know you got to hop on the plane and this visit could be ruined so I want to put you in a pressure cooker situation. That's what we're seeing with the MLB. It's now January 20th. Spring training, reporters, uh, the, the players, the catchers and pitchers, it's right around the corner. Three weeks away, so or less than three weeks away. And now is when you really start to see the more serious negotiations take place. I don't think this will be... The best offers from either side, I think both sides, they don't want to miss games. I think ultimately that is about regular season games. I think they do want to get into spring training games. Would not be surprised if they miss the report date. Would not be surprised if they miss uh, a day or two, half a week or so into spring training. But for the most part, you'll, you'll get the full slate of games. It's in everybody's best interest that regular season games are played. That's gate revenue for the owners, and that's when paychecks start. Players are only paid in season. They're going to get it done. I know Rosenthal. I know Bob Nightingale, uh, two excellent columnists. Been covering the league forever. They, they were writing articles about how it's, it's, it's getting worrisome and, and danger looms. Rosenthal was just fired from Manfred off MLB Network, so maybe there's some animosity. It's okay. It's fine. This is normal. When you have a deadline, nobody's playing their best hand until the end. We're starting to see the initial offers 
offers that may have a hint of truth in it, but it won't be the, the last one from either side. So Major League Baseball, we finally got some momentum, but we're just at the beginning. We will get even deeper into it as the weeks go on. I hate to keep making sales and business analogies here, uh, but it's applicable when we're talking about you know, hiring a head coach and the route that you're willing to go. I, I said that Mike McCarthy should remain the head coach of the Cowboys. I do think he should, given the candidates that are out there on the open market. The open market. Sean Payton, there's been rumblings out there that in his final year of his contract, he's willing to leave New Orleans. Um, Drew Brees is obviously gone. Um, he's been there going on 16 years. When, when you're at a place for that long, a lot of the same faces. Theo Epstein has said it a lot. It's just time to move on after 10 years. You, you, you grow stale after a while. People stop listening to you. There needs to be a new voice. And you need a, a restart to, to keep you fresh in a new challenge. That's something Bill Parcells was all about. And who was on his tree? The Parcells tree in Dallas? Sean Payton. That would be an absolute must explore from Jerry Jones. A trade for Sean Payton? I would give up two first-round picks and more for Sean Payton. Coaching matters so much in this league. And you got an investment in a $40 million quarterback who could, you know, take some elevating. We, we saw it in the game with Dak. I think he's excellent. But clearly there have to be a lot of things working for him to perform at the, the all-pro level. It, with, the, with the passing yards and the completion percentage and the touchdowns, that's all a product of his offensive line. And I think there has to be some... Um, play designing that tailors better to the offensive line, plus better personnel along that offensive line and in the backfield with running back. And I think someone like Sean Payton would be an absolute grand slam. We all know that. I would explore that. I would keep Mike McCarthy for now. And if I'm Jerry Jones behind the scenes, I'm making calls. What's it going to take? But I would make three Four calls if I'm Dallas to see if this is a route that Peyton is interested in going. Because it would be the exception. The absolute exception. Rules, they're always meant to be broken. The open market sucks. That's why I keep Mike McCarthy. But if Sean Payton's available, 100%, you have to pick up the phone. So I am flying with the news, the Rays to Montreal that has been nixed, surprisingly, by Major League Baseball. Stu Sternberg, the the owner of the Tampa Bay Rays, who uh, proposed the half season in Tampa Bay or St. Pete's to uh, uh, Montreal, that that's now that's over. And unexpectedly, we thought Major League Baseball would be on board with it. They are not. And now Stu, uh, Sternberg is saying that the partial seasons thing that they wanted to do. Um, he thinks that's going to be the future of sports. And I know that John Smoltz a couple of years ago talked about having two postseasons because of the way arm injuries are, are being suffered by pitchers and how, you know, you start in the cold, you go into the summer and then you start in the cold again. And he was just thinking that you should have 
you know, two seasons essentially in the calendar year. And I always thought that was kind of quirky. And I think it's even quirky that the owner is saying it now. I don't know in what world someone would want to just radically shift how the game is played because it was, it would ruin the history. That's one thing when you change up the length of a season with uh, games like baseball used to be 157, then it went to 162. We see it with the NFL. People don't like that because, you know, it takes out the competitiveness uh, of, of history. We like knowing that things are equal because then we can compare those before us and those that are in the present and, and what's going to happen into the future. When you throw in those wrenches, we don't like that. From the beginning of time for Major League Baseball until now, it's been you are the 2021 or you're the 1991 1901 world champions. You're going to have two champions in the, uh, in the 2026 season. Huh? No, no, nobody's going to like that. I mean, look, owner, rich guy, been around a long time, obviously owns a high level operation with a lot of smart guys, uh, guys that keep getting poached into other major league front offices, but like a, 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 a two-part season with, with multiple champions? I don't know. Pete's picks will be on Twitter, at Pete4C. You will find my final score predictions for all the divisional playoff games. Need you to subscribe if you're not already. Sharing with your friends, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you listen, we are there. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you after the divisional round. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week.